Is your baby stuck on simple purees? Are you afraid to try finger foods or even just move them up to thicker, lumpier, or chunkier puree textures? Maybe your baby gags a lot and you're afraid for their sake and yours to give them more advanced foods. And maybe the thought of the possibility of your baby choking keeps you debilitated in fear. Even though you know how important it is to move your baby through a wide variety of advanced textures as soon as possible. Well, I want to let you know about a free live five-day texture timeline challenge that I'm putting on starting on Wednesday, February 23rd, that will have you offering your baby a wide variety of food and textures in a timely and step-by-step manner. And it will give you the confidence that you need to keep your baby advancing in skills to prevent picky eating. This is going to be for parents who want to ease into feeding solids, whether you're doing purees or baby-led weaning via my step-by-step process. And I'm here to guide you and hold your hand with week-long videos resources, recipes, and starting solids tips to get you moving forward and enjoying watching your baby successfully eat all sorts of foods. Sign up using the link in today's show notes and the first 100 people will get a copy of my texture timeline guide complete with examples of food in every texture stage so that you can learn which foods to try with your baby next. Once again, you can find the link for this free live five-day texture timeline challenge in the show notes. I can't wait to see you there. Hey there, I'm Edwina Kennedy, registered pediatric dietitian and mom of two, and this is the My Little Eater podcast. Each week, I'll be dishing out all the best info on feeding and nutrition for your baby and toddler, answering all of your what do I do when scenarios, and helping you gain complete confidence in not only feeding your child, but in parenting as well. Every episode is filled with actionable and proven feeding strategies delivered by a mama and a feeding expert who's been there and done that. I hold your hand and I take you step-by-step through all stages of feeding while showing you how to implement what I teach you so that you can raise a happy and healthy little eater of your own. Let's do this. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the My Little Eater podcast. I'm excited because today we're going to be talking about something that seems a little bit counterintuitive, but it is really good information to have when you're first starting solids with your baby. The topic is about why bigger pieces of food can sometimes be safer when starting solids. And like I said, this may not seem that intuitive because it's natural for us to think that smaller foods are just going to be safer. After all, I mean, it's really um, kind of normal, intuitive to think that, okay, babies can't handle bigger foods because they're going from an all-liquid diet of breast milk or formula. So how are we going to go from that to something really big? They've never experienced that. You kind of have to transition them there. And the thought process is that the bigger the food is, the more likely it will be to block your baby's airway if they can't handle it, right? So that's why often when we're starting um, solids, whether we're starting with purees or you're starting with finger foods, it's really scary sometimes. And it's scary to advance them from easy textures to more advanced ones. But I am here to help shift that perspective and just to give a little bit more of an explanation around what um, you need to think about in terms of the shape, the texture, and the size of a food and uh, yeah, help kind of bust some myths. So let's just start with the fact that if you have something really small in your mouth, just think about yourself trying to eat something small like maybe um, a few grains of rice or some peas or something like that. And you have to imagine a baby who has never ever experienced any of these textures before, any of these size foods before. What happens is because a new eater 
does not have practice coordinating their mouth muscles, their tongue, their lips, their jaw. Like it seems very natural for us, but for them, it is very difficult for them to do anything besides just kind of suck and swallow, right? In the very beginning, they have to learn how to move all of those muscles in unison with one another and then also independently from one another and control food. So if you have something really small in the mouth, the type of information that goes to your brain is hard for them to process because they can maybe detect something on their tongue or on the side of their cheek, but they can't, for example, like keep track of it and they can't precisely direct their tongue to, let's say, move that piece of food to the side of their mouth or spit that piece of food out or, um, you know, chew down on that piece of food and know exactly where they need to like align their teeth and chew. That all takes a lot of time and practice. So when you have a smaller piece of food, it is harder for them to coordinate. So if you have, um, again, something that maybe breaks off or maybe you're just giving them, maybe you're just afraid to like give a large finger food. So you're thinking, okay, I'm just gonna break it into tiny little pieces and put it in or let them self-feed and put in and eat it. Um, they are more likely to lose track, swallow it sometimes without even chewing it. So it is something to keep in mind. Whereas a bigger piece of food, so imagine they have like a large piece of bread or toast maybe in their mouth, or maybe they have, um, you know, whatever it is, just like a, a, a large piece of food. It's easier for the brain to map out where that large piece of food is in their mouth, especially actually if it's hard, that's gonna give a lot more of that proprioceptive input, which means um, kind of that pressure. Like, so when your baby puts, let's say, imagine like a, a teether in their mouth, they can feel exactly like the pressure uh, on their tongue or at the roof of their mouth, or if they turn it to the side, they could feel one concentrated area where it's applying pressure to the side of their cheek. And that's easier for them to detect. It's not like it's small pieces everywhere or one small piece somewhere in their mouth, but it's really hard to detect. So when they can do that, then they can decide, okay, well, I'm gonna move that whole piece of food maybe to the side of my mouth with my hands, or maybe I'm just gonna spit it out. And it's easier to spit out a big piece again versus a small piece. If you think about yourself trying to spit out a grain of rice versus like a hard chunk of something, it's much easier to just be able to direct that food out of your mouth. So that's just something to think about. It's not always, always easier with those small pieces. Of course, texture matters no matter what. It is not ever just about the size. That's why it's important to learn how to serve different foods uh, in different ways, depending on the type of food, depending on how it's cooked. It's always important, I would suggest, take a course, do your research so that you know how to serve all foods safely. You know, you're never just all serving finger foods or you're never just all serving like diced pieces of food. But I will say, when it comes to texture, if a food is small and soft, yes, Generally speaking, the risk of choking isn't going to go up. Um, it's not going to be that dangerous, but I will say that gagging can happen more frequently, which doesn't mean that it's a bad thing, by the way, because gagging is very, very helpful. We want babies to be gagging to learn how to process foods in their mouth and to learn how to advance their skills. This is a, a really good thing, but just so you know, you aren't necessarily dodging you know, the gagging stage or escaping gagging if you are afraid of it, if that is why you're not giving your baby larger pieces of finger foods or um, trying to advance them in textures, you're not doing them or you any favors by giving them smaller pieces because sometimes those small soft pieces 
can be really triggering. Once again, I'm just going to keep bringing up that example of rice. Having multiple small pieces or even like couscous or something where you have like small particles all over your tongue, that can um, elicit a gag because they don't, once again, know how to process that feeling and they don't know how to... um, do anything really, but try and gag in order to get it out or move it off of their tongue. Um, if you think about lumpy purees even, so if you made like a casserole and it had like small pieces of, um, very like diced cooked vegetables or something like that, that would also be an example of a food that could elicit some gagging. So it doesn't mean we avoid them. We want our baby to learn how to experience those foods. We want to advance our baby to those foods. And the gagging is what we want to see because we know that they're processing it and figuring it out. But larger pieces of finger foods should also be practiced as well. It's not going to be harder for them to be able to handle it. And it's not going to mean that they're going to be gagging more just because it's a large piece of finger food versus a small piece of soft food. Okay? So that's the next thing I kind of want to put in your mind. When it comes to baby supplies for starting solids, a good protective bib, a suction plate or bowl, and a good set of utensils are basically the staples. And Bumpkins has them all. Their products are made of 100% food grade silicone with no chemicals or byproducts like other baby products often contain. They're dishwasher safe, totally cute and super colorful and surpass anything else on the market for style and design. Every time I have a gift to get for a new mom, I always go for my favorite of their products. They're dipping spoons for babies that are really new eaters, their utensils for babies eight months and up, or their toddler utensil sets for babies 12 months and up. All of them being specifically designed baby forks and knives that are small enough for new eaters to hold and the most ergonomically correct for self-feeding that I found to date. I also love their bowls and grip dishes, which have silicone lids that stretch over top to make leftover storage a breeze or to make traveling with food super easy. You can now get 15% off of your Bumpkins order using code MYLITTLEEATER15 at checkout. That's 15% off using code MYLITTLEEATER15. Enjoy! If you kind of think about um, most of us where we're most comfortable, we're usually thinking, okay, after purees and really simple, soft, smooth textures, we move up a little bit more and a little bit more. And maybe the first type of finger food I'd give them is something like eggs or banana because those foods are so soft. And um, it works very well for some babies, but some other babies may have a hard time actually, once again, feeling where it is in their mouth. And that means they may just swallow. They may try and swallow the food versus kind of really triggering that up and down chewing motion or triggering some more advanced chews like a rotary chew or just a hard munch. Um, It's not, again, for all babies, but there are certain people out there, there are certain children out there that kind of need a little bit more stimulation in the mouth. It's it's like they under-process certain things, and so if they don't feel something really distinct in their mouth, so if it's just very soft lumps, it may not trigger them to physically take bites. And so we want them, again, to practice with some more heavy chewing. We want them to learn how to physically take bites out of a food. They will never learn unless we give them that opportunity, which is why actually phase three of my texture timeline, which is basically, if you haven't heard of it, it's essentially just a uh, kind of a way that you can transition through easier to more advanced textures in a timely way so that you're not keeping your baby stuck on specific textures and you're moving them on, advancing them in skills. And phase three is where we expand 
the types of textures that they're getting. And I'm not just talking about lumpy textures. I'm talking about specifics like spongy textures or chewy textures. Of course, all of them are served in safe ways, but that's why that phase is so important because it gives them that opportunity to practice chewing and heavy chewing and um, again, developing that rotary chew and pulling off pieces of food um, that may be a little bit tougher, but still safe for them to learn how to eat on. And so that again is, is another point that I want to bring up. And then finally, for some foods, if you serve it in a, like a large form, it's also safer in terms of the fact that it won't get lodged into your baby's airway if it's too big. If you think about it, it's so big it can't even go down. The size of your baby's airway is about the size of the opening of the diameter of a typical drinking straw. And so if you have something small enough that can sit right on top of that airway and block it, that's more dangerous than something that's too big that your baby can't even get it past the top of their mouth, the top of their throat right here. And so it's not going to block anything. All it's going to do is elicit that gag, which is what we want, right? And then cause them to spit it out, or it's going to cause them to chomp down on it. Chomping down on a large piece of food is easier than precisely targeting a small piece of food in the mouth. All they have to do is go, is just bite down, and their chances that they're gonna hit a piece of food there is really big because it's a big piece of food, right? If that makes any sense. So if you have something that is hard, it's often safer to go bigger. So that's the thing that just blows people's minds. If you think about giving a piece of banana, like a whole piece of banana or a piece of soft, fresh bread, something that's really gummy and that you know pulls apart easily, but it also gums up very easily, both of those two things actually can conform to the shape of your baby's throat. So like the top of your baby's throat, it can glob up and, and form a blockage. So if you think about that, I'm not saying don't give banana, by the way. I'm just saying that sometimes large whole pieces can cause them, can cause it to just kind of glob up. And same thing with the fresh bread. What you could do is you could give them a large piece of, for example, like a hard focaccia bread. So that might seem like, oh my God, no, that's got to be a choking hazard. But if it's so large that all they can really do is you know, gum on it, wrap their lips around it, maybe take little crumbs off of it. They can't take full on bites or even if they have teeth and they can pull off, like rip off pieces of of chunks of hard bread, that is not going to conform to the shape of your baby's airway. And it's certainly not going to be the right size that it's going to drop into their airway and block all air going through. It's actually just going to be big enough that it's going to cause them to keep it in their mouth, spit it out, gag it out, whatever. So that's why even when you think about pieces of meat, massive pieces of steak, you may have seen babies online. You've seen it maybe in my baby led feeding course, babies eating large, thick strips of steak, and they're just sucking on it and pulling on it. That is safer than giving your baby small torn off pieces of steak. Because again, it's harder, it's tougher. And so we don't want those hard, tough pieces to get lost. Again, hard to control, hard to actually bite precisely into it and break it down and then fall and block the airway. We want the large pieces for them to just learn how to use those, you know, their mouth, their tongue and and their teeth and whatever to pull off manageable pieces or to just even suck on it. If they don't have teeth, it's even safer, of course, because they're just sucking on it, gnawing on it. The risk of choking is ridiculously low. Um, If you, last example, if you also 
are kind of looking at moving your maybe one-year-old or 14-month-old or 18-month-old, whatever, older child onto some raw vegetables. So, you know, we were cooking them or we were making sure they were very soft when they were younger. But as they get older, we have to move them onto raw vegetables somehow. It is much safer to give your baby or your child let's say a whole pepper that's raw or a whole apple that's raw and hard for them to hold, be able to really understand, you know, how to form, like put their lips around it and take smaller bites out of it versus giving them a strip of, let's say, raw pepper or giving them um, like a, an apple wedge or even giving them like a mini baby carrot, right? All of those things are going to be harder for them to actually control in their mouth. So bigger in that case is also safer. So I hope that that kind of helps to shift some of uh, maybe some myths or some ideas that you may have had in your mind. And if you were afraid of going with some bigger pieces, please don't be afraid. If you want some help, you know, you want somebody to hold your hand and show you how to serve different foods in a really safe way and move you on to more advanced textures. Of course, you have my baby led feeding course always there for you. But also remember, I have my five day texture timeline challenge that will help walk you through easier to more advanced textures in a timely way and it will give you the confidence to overcome your fears of gagging and to really watch your baby's skills as they develop so that you know when it is safe to move on. So you can find the form in the show notes. And I hope this episode has been helpful for you. Thanks so much for tuning in and I will talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you.